Geek Radio Daily for Halfway Day. You see, they don't show that Geico commercial anymore, so people have already stopped talking about the other thing that doesn't really matter. But damn, I brought it up. Wait, I just lost the game. Damn it, I just lost. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 8th of March. We're the fine folks from GeekRadioDaily.com on International Women's Day. So, you know, maybe listen, maybe, maybe, maybe stop being asshole. I'm just saying, you know, just, you know, uh, anyway, the folks that are bringing things to you today, the man who has a dream of what he really wants to be, that's podcasting Drit Siegfried. The Dolphin Boy. I don't even know what that means, but I have several theories that I could expound upon right now. I'm the wonderful Billy Flynn. Please, Billy, please, no gibberish tonight, please, I beg you. I'm not sure I can abide by that. What happened this fine day, sir? In 1618, Johannes Kepler formulates his third law of planetary motion. The third law states that the squares of the orbital periods of planets are directly proportional to the cubes of the semi-major axis of the orbits. You know. In other words, the period of a planet's orbit around the sun is determined by its distance from the sun. Uh, 1775, Joseph Priestley... Jason's great-great-great-granddad, having discovered oxygen experiments with mice in his home laboratory to determine whether or not it's necessary to support life. Spoilers, kind of is. <laughs> Gee, Brian, what are we going to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to breathe some air. <laughs> 1817, the New York Stock Exchange is founded. 1917, British RFC Flight Lieutenant Decker is lost over France while flying through a white cloud. Reappearing moments later, once known to be quite cowardly and quick to turn away from a fight, traveling through the cloud seemingly helped him find his courage. After flying through the cloud, he faced off against German pilots, saving his outnumbered friend. It can happen to you if you're in the Twilight Zone. 1946, in New York City, a helicopter is licensed for commercial use for the first time in history. 1952, an artificial heart is used for the first time, and a 41-year-old man, the heart kept him alive for 80 minutes. Baby steps. 1955, Doug Ross of MIT publicly demonstrates the director tape for the groundbreaking Whirlwind computer. The director is a predecessor of later operating systems. The Whirlwind is the first computer to be considered truly digital rather than just featuring electronic components, the first computer to operate in real time, and the first computer to feature a video terminal. 1960, for the release of Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock and his distributor Paramount mandate that no one is to be admitted to theater auditoriums after the film has started, so not to spoil the suspense. This is the first step that will eventually become the industry standard practice of holding discrete exhibitions of films rather than just playing them throughout the day and let people come and go as they want, as had been done before. 1964, American International Pictures releases the horror film The Last Man on Earth, directed by Sidney Salco and Ubaldo Ragona, starring Vincent Price and Franca Batoi to U.S. theaters. The film is based on the novel I Am a Legend by Richard Matheson. And still, I think, the most accurate adaptation. 1975, the Earth's population, except Dr. Robert Neville, is killed or turned into mutants by biological warfare between Russia and China in Charlton Heston's version of I Am Legend, known as the Omega Man. 1976, the largest single recovered stony meteorite in history 1700 kilograms falls in Jilin, China during a meteor shower that drops over 4,000 kilograms of extraterrestrial rock. 1978, the first episode of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy radio series airs on BBC4 notable for being the first comedy series to be produced in stereo. 
1979, the first extraterrestrial volcanoes are discovered on Io, a satellite of Jupiter, by the Voyager 1 space probe. And in Inhoven, Netherlands, Philips publicly demonstrates a prototype of the first optical digital audio disc format, the compact disc, at a press conference. 1980, Ted Stryker lands an airplane and saves lives. Although I do hear he has a drinking problem. 2000, the Coca-Cola company warns consumers that an internet chain letter promising free Coke products as a reward to help build an email database is a hoax. A lie on the internet? 2002, in the case of Random House versus Rosetta Books, Judge Sidney H. Stein of the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York rules that ebooks do not violate Random House's exclusive rights to publish written works. 2070, President Robert L. Booth initiates the atomic wars, which devastate most of the USA, USSR, and Europe, which will come to be popularized as the wastelands and have weird cannibals that Rob Schneider almost get eaten by birthdays. James Vanderbeek, the Dawes, is 46, from Dawson's Creek, The Rules of Attraction, Don't Trust the Bee, in Apartment 25, and CSI Cyber. Okay. Freddie Prince Jr. is 47 from I Know What You Did Last Summer. Scooby-Doo. That show Freddie that Chabby were on once. Also, he uh, is a fantastic voiceover actor and uh, has been doing uh, star- a bunch of Star Wars stuff, ah, including true. Star Wars Rebels. That's true. Cameron Mannheim is 62 from The Road to Wellville, The Practice, Ghost Whisperer, Harry's Law in Person of Interest. Susan Clark is 83 from Colossus, the Forbin Project, the Apple Dumpling Gang, but you probably best know her as Cherry Forever in Porky's. I'll say. George Innes is 83 from The Italian Job, Stardust, and Morons from Outer Space. No longer with us, born in 1910, Claire Trevor, who got top billing in Stagecoach. Screw you, famous men. And Key Largo. 1921, Alan Hale Jr. He, of course, played Skippy. Oh, that's right there, little buddy. And uh, was in Giant Spider Invasion and Hang em High. 1924, Sean McClory, best known for fighting ants in them. In 1943, Lynn Redgrave. Tom Jones, The Happy Hooker, House Calls, and a bunch of other stuff. I hear The Happy Hooker does make house calls. <laughs> CBS is two dorky magnets on a new Survivor. New lingo, and Helen goes undercover with Harry and the team at an academic conference in Madrid in order to stop a bioweapon attack. But Harry has a secondary goal of keeping his past romantic history with their cryptographer a secret from his wife. Oh, True Lies, the TV show? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good stuff. ABC has got a new Connors, the Goldbergs, Abbott Elementary. Regina and Rome get used to everyday life with their new roommate. Maggie and Gary consider having a home birth when the time comes to welcome the new baby. Catherine and Greta reach a pivotal point in their relationship on a new million little pieces. NBC has your Chicago meds, your fires, and your pid. Fox, DC Superheroes Night on a new The Masked Singer. Still not watching. And a new Farmer Wants a Wife. So wait, so are they dressed as DC superheroes? They damn well better be. Like Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck. <laughs> uh, maybe we. I love her, but maybe we stay away from Gal Gadot. Uh-huh. CW with the Red Death wrecking havoc on Central City. Barry and Iris, did you do that one? I did not. Oh, okay, good. Because Barry and Iris turned to steal for help <laughs> in their plan. Barry must face up to his greatest mistake. Barry can't lose risking Keon by helping Team Flash, and Joe talks to Barry. 
And I'm sure Joe cries on a new The Flash and a new Kung Fu. And then just to make things more confusing, I'm going to tell you that on FX, Franklin is forced to return to the streets as Veronica and Cassandra's search for his missing money. Leanne and Big D butt heads and Teddy pursues his KGB counterpart on a new Snowfall. Big D Butthead. That's, That's what he said. FXXXXXXX has a Family Guy marathon. We're watching the Lifetime Movie Network. A motherhood blogger who lost one of her twin daughters during childbirth can't shake the feeling her daughter's still out there somewhere, even though her husband insists that she put the feeling aside for the sake of their surviving child. Eliana Huffman and Josh Murray star in the spoilers, they kind of give this away, Missing Twin. The wonderful Billy Flynn looks at what Chad and Abby are up to now. If you know what TV show they're on this week, you could win yourself a prize. It's your further adventures of Chad and Abby update. An outlaw pumpkin delivery crew is no match for Chad and his shocking experience after he discovers the radiation Chad and Jack are on the case. But Abby needs Chad to talk to the cheerleaders like about 20, 25, maybe 30, but more like 25 minutes ago. There was a strange glow in the sky. It's a cemetery tale of two sisters when Grace and Charlotte are on the hunt for the human specimens. They are confused when they discover Jack, but he is also confused about them, and that leads to his capture. Chad heads back to the radiation site and soon finds the people there were taken. After the rescue, Grace and Charlotte take off since they were not of this earth. Hashtag Chabby. Forever. Don't you have a letter to read or something? Well, yes. What the hell is even going on in that chat? I haven't the slightest idea, man. I was losing it. <laughs> hey, GRD. I have to agree. Why the hell is Funko Pop not giving this away to anyone or everyone in the world instead of just throwing stuff away? It doesn't make sense. And as Rich stated, can you not just melt this stuff down and make new things? Are you giving up on the whole pop thing? What's good? I don't even I don't know if I, is there a petition that we can all sign that they're going to ignore? Also, I have no idea where Chad and Abby are because you haven't said it, but you haven't wrote this one for this week, have you? You got that guy to write it again, didn't you? I don't know what it is, but part of this is like giving me like little tingling spider sense things in the back of my brain. So I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to see if I can do it before Jared. Ooh, that is from Jacob, who has kind of thrown the glove. I'll say. Ooh. We're going to have to hose him down or something. And yeah, no, I didn't write him for this week. Drop a note, won't you please? It's podcast at geekradiodaily.com. Of course, a voicemail, a text message. You need these numbers here. 510 G-R-D-Crow. Gosh, I wonder who did write it. I know. Was it you? No. I'll never tell. Most people think that talking about money is boring. But now more than ever, people need helpful money advice. That's why we created our show, How to Money. We cut out the jargon and make money topics relevant and easy to understand. Our ultimate goal is to make money decisions suck less and help people positively change their financial future. No doubt. So whether you want to save more, start investing, or just gain a better perspective on a subject that affects all of us, check out the How to Money podcast. Find How to Money on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Will Wheaton, and you are listening to Geek Radio Daily. But I thought you were traveling through space with the weird energy being... Oh, no, that's just a character. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. That's a very serious book, man. Yeah, and they're out there with the other books on the shelves at the shops. What can we find, sir? Well, from Detective Comics, we've got Batman and the Joker, the deadly duo, five of seven. Flash, one minute war. Start the clock, number one. It's one shot. Static shadows of Dakota, two of six. And across the multiverse, cowls are being murdered. Balzod, the Superman of Earth 2, believes only one man can stop the killing Kal-El's son, 
John Kent. John will have to step across dimensions and face the killer of the Clells, the monstrous Ultraman, the man who kidnapped and tortured him for years. And Val Zod is not acting alone in trying to save the Superman. Who is the mysterious woman alongside him? And what is her shocking connection to the Super Family in Adventures of Superman? John Kent, one of six. Over at Marvel Bloodline, Daughter of Blade, number two. Mary Jane and Black Cat, four of five. Spider-Gwen, Shadow Clones, number one. And Laura Kinney, a.k.a. X-23, who was cloned from Logan, trained by the facility to be a deadly assassin. Even as she tries to put that life behind her, forces will try to bring her back, and she'll fight them tooth and claw, beset by new enemies as well as old favorites and set during her days as a member of X-Men and X-Force when she walked away from the island of Utopia to find where she truly belongs. It's X-23, Deadly Regenesis, from Dark Horse, we've got Assassin's Apprentice, number one, four of six. I don't know what number it actually is. Clear, one of three. Space Job, two of four. From Boom Studios, we've got Briar, three of four. Know Your Station, four of five. And from Archie Comics, the Archies of some competition when a new girl band, Rock Candy, enters the scene. But it's not all sugar and spice and everything nice. Benny and Veronica are feeling torn about having to leave the Archies behind, but there's way more of a musical future for them in Rock Candy, along with their drummer, new girl Jola Kitt. Do they have what it takes to rock all of Riverdale in Betty and Veronica, Friends Forever, Rock and Roll, number one? Why not? Not all your friends. IDW Publishing, Godzilla Rivals, Mothra versus Titanosaurus. Number one. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Armageddon Game, The Alliance. Number five. Over at Image, in Mighty, I Mighty, number two, ARC, which is an acronym, number one, it's a one-shot, Blood Tree, number two, Bubbly and Headstrong Shade Whisper has been inexplicably exiled from a magical guild and relocated, left only with vague memories and romanticized hope, but when she hears a sinister voice in her head that awakens a power beyond her comprehension, she'll traverse her past and present to unravel her prestigious place within the mythical land of Athea in Stone Heart. Number one. I'm not wearing any pants. Film at 11. Geek News! Take a look at the world. From a geeky point of view, eight years ago, MGM attempted to revive the Poltergeist franchise with the Gil Keenan-directed 2015 film that came and went <laughs> without much impact. It did? There was one? Multiple attempts have been made to recapture the magic of the Tobey Hooper and Steven Spielberg 1982 original without much success. The second film, arguably the only one that came after to prove at least interesting despite its flaws. With Amazon having acquired MGM, it looks like that they are interested in resurrecting the franchise. Bringing it back from the dead? Did they learn nothing from the films? Entertainment journalist Jeff Snyder says the franchise has been named as one of several MGM properties that Amazon is looking to prioritize for new adaptations and monetization. Well, why else would they do it? The original made $121.7 million back in the day on a $10 million budget. The 2015 remake still managed to pull in 95 from a 35 budget. Hopefully they're going to do something you know, to break the curse, not only on the sequels, but also for the production. If they do, then we can finally say that this franchise is cleansed. <laughs> it's astonishing the longevity of the Evil Dead series, given how... Okay, the article says this, but I don't believe it. How deliberately thin the original film's mythology was. In Sam Raimi's 1981 classic, The Evil Dead, a group of college kids, including the acerbic Ash, played, of course, by the man, the myth, the chin, Bruce Campbell, hole up in a remote forest cabin for the usual reasons when they find an evil-looking book in the basement, the Necronomicon, 
and a mysterious tape recorder. Playing back the tape, they hear evil incantations from the book read by the cabin's previous tenant. The spell, of course, awakens monsters who kill the college kids and are generally a nuisance to Ash. That ain't thin. What, what more do you need? Exactly. The Necronomicon is clearly very powerful, although the rules governing the actual evil dead are never clearly spoken aloud. Despite this, there have been five Evil Dead movies. The fifth is due in theaters on April 21st. Comic books, video games, and a four-season TV series called Ash vs. Evil Dead. For the most part, these films are more about the arc of Ash, who goes from a plain fellow to a foolish, dumb blowhard who happens to be good at killing monsters. And we love him for it. Yes, we do. Ash vs. Evil Dead will soon be adapted into an animated series with Campbell, 64, playing his beloved a-hole character once again. As Campbell said, All I can say is we're really actively pursuing it. Sam's a busy guy. He had a big hit movie, so he got a lot on his plate. But he and his brother are actively shaping out the world. It's one of the one thing to get an animator and say, Hey, animate this. You gotta know what you're going to animate. I look forward to it because my voice hasn't aged as much as I have. Also, through the 1990s, Bruce Campbell became notable on TV for a, f- a few high-profile live-action adventure shows. After supporting Gig and the massive Xena Warrior Princess, Campbell also starred in Jack of All Trades and the sci-fi western The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. In a recent interview, Campbell talked about a potential revival of Briscoe County, updating the characters to match his age. Don't tease me. I couldn't handle it. Sadly, Campbell's co-star, Julius Carey, who played the toughest nails Lord Bowler, passed away in 2008. That doesn't mean his character didn't have a son. Campbell's pitch was simple. The Adventures of Briscoe County is, oh, you bring him back from, you bring him back following the death of Lord Bowler to find out who killed Bowler, and you have potentially a, a Briscoe son with Dixie that we don't know about, and maybe a Bowler's son that we don't know about, and maybe those guys team up with me being a successful San Francisco lawyer Maybe he's got to saddle up again at some point, but you have to take a new spin on the whole thing. But I'd be all over that like a cheap suit. No, that's a fantastic angle to hit, but I'd say that Bruce doesn't even have to saddle up at all. He could just take over the Socrates role. But, you know, I mean, give him more lines. That show was so good. The Pentagon's Defense Initiative Unit is seeking to use carbon dioxide, the most readily available greenhouse gas, to fuel military aircraft operating in contested environments. Oh, carbon dioxide, that's way better than methane from farts. DIU awarded Airco, a carbon technology company based in New York City, a contract worth as much as $65 million to convert carbon dioxide into synthetic aviation fuel. The award is part of a DIU effort called Synthetic Fuels for the Contested Environment, or Project SYNC-CE, which aims to create small mobile fuel production systems that could be, that could be quickly deployed during wartime. Mm, smart. The fart sounds would give them away otherwise. The Defense Department is the U.S. government's largest consumer of fuel, spending more than $11 billion on the resource in fiscal 2022. Military aircraft are the heaviest users of that supply. Well, I love the tech, but I don't know if I would trust electric jets. Solar panels would be too shiny. The goal is for military to be able to produce the synthetic fuel at fixed bases or at remote forward operating locations. And unlike many other alternative fuel sources, it doesn't need to be blended with fossil fuels to operate an aircraft. And they really need this to work because they don't want to have to run on farts because then they'd actually have to make Taco Bell one of the biggest players in the military industry. And since they're already going to win the restaurant wars, that'd make them far too powerful. 
Ooh, yeah, we could. Oh, my God. Couldn't have that. Terrible. More hopeful news. A classic hero is being reimagined for modern viewers, this time for the small screen. Disney Plus is currently developing a new Zorro TV series, one that will star Vilmer Valderrama, of course, from that 70s show, as a swashbuckling swordsman. But we now know who is going to be heading up the show behind the scenes, as Brian Cogman of Game of Thrones fame has been tapped as the writer, showrunner, and executive producer. Cool. So we just you know, have to skip that final season then. Valderrama is also on board as an executive producer. In addition to a starring role, the outlet also explains that the Zorro show will be a bold reimagining of Disney's classic series for a modern audience. An epic adventure rooted in California's rich and diverse history, bursting with humor, sinister intrigue, romantic entanglements, and swashbuckling thrills. That could be good. The Disney Plus series follows privileged caballero Diego de la Vega, who returns to his hometown of El Pueblo de Los Angeles following a family tragedy. There he discovers a culture of corruption and injustice that will lead him to take on the mantle of the masked vigilante Zorro, America's first true superhero. Zorro made his debut in the pages of All Story Weekly way back in 1919, so referring to him as America's first true superhero may not be wildly off the mark. He doesn't have any superpowers, but let's face it, that's not an issue for Batman. Zorro pretty much only takes on human villains. Yeah, he may not fare all that well against a cosmic entity. (laughs) Uh, The Zorro TV show does not yet have a release date. I love the concept of Zorro in all of its incarnations. The Vilmer Valderrama? Well, you know what? I'll be happy to be convinced. And if not, then I'll happily go back and watch the Antonio Banderas flicks. Or the most recent Puss in Boots movie. (laughs) After Warner Brothers canceled several upcoming Scooby-Doo films, fans of the iconic show wondered when they'd ever catch a break, and on the back of reports that Warner may also have canceled an upcoming Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2, well, the movie suddenly leaked online, and Warner's anti-piracy team is currently attempting to contain the leaks. Well, that's Crypto as in Superman's dog, right? Yup. Like, would you do it for a Bitcoin? <laughs> Last August, David Zazalavlav, president and CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, said the company had done a reset and would no longer release expensive films direct to streaming platforms. South Korean animation studio Digital Emation began work on Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2 in 2021. Stills appeared online last year. Then, just this past weekend, admitted considerable uncertainty the question of whether the film would ever see the light of day. It was answered when it was leaked online. I will neither condone nor condemn their actions, but I will say thank you for your service. Whether the company intends to release the film or not, Warner's anti-piracy department is now taking hard work to try to take these infringing copies down, including on YouTube, where fans uploaded copies obtained elsewhere, and Twitter users have shared the excitement and links to the leaked films. They've also been targeted by Warner's takedown team, and the question of who leaked the movie remains unanswered, but two discussion platforms have been repeatedly mentioned as candidates for the first upload. Twitter, and 4chan. Ah, 4chan. Look, this still doesn't absolve all of the terrible shit you've done. But nope. While anything is possible, a post that appeared on 4chan has been attracting quite a lot of attention. At the time of this recording, the linked MP4 file has been downloaded over 6,000, 7,000 times. But that's just from one platform. Copies of the movie are now widely available elsewhere, including on various torrent sites, whatever those are. Interestingly, the copies being shared have a much larger file size than the 1.19 gigabytes variant linked by the poster on 4chan. And I'm sure they're all virus-free. 
Whether Warners will be able to identify the leaker is unknown. Right now, it looks like they've got another mystery on their hands. Jinkies. Hey, 4chan, or whoever the hell did this, that's cool that you leak Scooby-Doo, but can you pop back into the servers and root around until you find Batgirl? Sincerely, everyone. Hey, Michael Keaton's in that movie, damn it. Damn it! GRD's like the all the things. <laughs> it looks so good. Blah, 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 geekradiodaily.com. I'm just saying, since you know. <laughs> Maybe talk some sense into them? Ah, they're not going to listen. They're not going to listen at all. Hey, why don't you drop us a note and tell us what the world's going on and what you think about that whole situation? And did you watch it? Is it any good? It's podcast at geekradiodaily.com. Uh, voicemail, text message. You're going to need these numbers right here to make that happen. 510 G R D. And we'll seize you, man. We'll seize you. Funny. I detect no source of amusement. Good night, everybody. Only It's only game. Why you have to be mad? Good night, suckers. Scat. Skedaddle. Adios. I said yes to a movie. It's called In Papa's Arms. It's going to be amazing. It stars the one and only Kiernan Shipka. What are those words? The little blonde girl from Mad Men. She's the one actor I've been dying to work with. She's got this quiet intensity. She's like a, like a small blonde Daniel Day-Lewis. Is the script any good? No idea. I just said yes the minute I heard Kiernan was on board. Luther's reading it right now. He'll tell me what he thinks. You can have Luther do that? Of course. Luther reads all my scripts for me. Kiernan, hey, come on in. Thank you so much for coming. Can I get you something to drink? I don't really have any kid drinks, but uh, I could just give you some coffee. You could sip it through a straw. Sure, thanks. I heard uh, John Hamm's really good at basketball. Is that true? January Jones, a robot. Can I have your boots? Chloe, Kiernan is here so that we can work. Fine. Guess I'll just read a script or something. Check, please. That sounds fun. All right, have a seat. So, my agent called and said you wanted to hang out and study me? Yeah, yeah, since we're, uh, you know, we're swapping bodies in the movie, I just figured uh, I should, you know, kind of get inside your head and, you know, see where you're coming from, get my tween on. Don't say that. No? Well, I heard a lot at the Kids' Choice Awards. I got slimed in 04. That's so long ago. Guys, listen to this. Don't mind Chloe. She's totes cray-cray. Don't say that either. 